I'd like to turn your Bibles tonight to Philippians chapter 1. The title of the message tonight is Breaking Through the Prison Door, or Breaking Through the Prison Doors, which should be up here behind me in a few moments. Philippians chapter 1, reading from verses 3 um, to 20, 3 to 20. I thank my God in, in every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, in making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers of me of the grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure, blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers have become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice." Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Amen. Fathers, we come to your word tonight. We pray that you'll speak to our hearts. We open up our hearts to receive from you. We pray that you'll help us to get life back in the right perspective and have that true joy of the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to play a clip, a, a video that came out that I was watching about Eritrea. Now, Eritrea has been on my heart for quite some time, but if you think about nations where Christians are persecuted the most, when we've read this verse, you'll recognize that Paul is actually in a prison. He's in a prison, he's limited, and he's blocked. And a lot of these Christians who are persecuted are actually in literal prison. So I thought it would be useful tonight to watch that clip from Amnesty International about what it is to be in prison in Eritrea and what's happening out there. And that'll help us to give a backdrop to what we're gonna share tonight. And then after that, Pam's gonna come and minister in song. And then we're gonna get straight into the words. So shall we play that clip right now? And you can see it on the screen behind me. Human rights in Eritrea are systematically violated. There is no freedom of expression. There's no freedom of religion. If you criticize the government, you'll be arrested. And thousands and thousands of prisoners of conscience, political prisoners, have been arrested during Eritrea's 20 years of independence. A lot of detention centers across Eritrea use underground cells and shipping containers to hold prisoners. So if you're arrested, you might end up in one of these. So in a container like this, there might be 20, 30 people, even more than that. 
and they'll be led out maybe once or twice in the day to use the toilet. A lot of detention centres in Eritrea are in desert locations and other locations that suffer extremes of temperature. Um, very, very hot in the daytime, very cold at night, and the metal walls of the container will magnify the temperatures. So conditions are really appalling. One young man who escaped is Kadane, who was caught trying to flee the country to avoid indefinite conscription in national service. And after he fled the country, he told us his story. We had to go out of hell to heaven. That, this, this is the comparison, you know, this is the comparison. Eritrea is a hell place for us, and uh, the place where we are expecting to go as a heaven, a safe, safe place for us. Yeah, actually I was imprisoned here in Maedaga. And uh, in this place, it's very horrible. There is like two holes covered with a zinc cover. You got two breads a day, and then it's very crowded. Lice all the time, very dirty. <sighs> there is no any proper center. There is nothing, it's like real, real terrible place. Amnesty International has received a number of reports of people dying in shipping containers as a result of the conditions uh, of the heat and as a result of torture and other forms of ill treatment. Uh, this is Ala. Yeah, in this place, in this Ala area, there are several prison centers you know, among the jungle of cactus trees. Uh, there is like a very small prison cells where they basically tortured and, you know. And then I remember I was beaten really, really terribly. And make you, make you believe whatever things that you never did. And then you just have to, they just have to make you believe, you know. It's, it's, it's a crazy place. So, yeah. Um, there's a lot of secrecy around detention in Eritrea. A lot of detention centres aren't known about. And so as, as part of this project, we've mapped, using satellites, a number of detention centres that we've identified the location of and taken satellite imagery of those detention centres to break some of the secrecy around detention practices and to ensure that these, these prisoners aren't forgotten. into our community on a regular basis and a lot of them are in need and in need of help. I met a guy called Alex who'd come right from Eritrea all the way through Sudan and all the way into KT where he gave his life to Christ and he told me his story. But this is not just about Eritrea, it's about all persecuted Christians right across the world. Shall we just lift our hands right now and just begin to pray for them as well as those in our community. Father God, there's those in prison and we remember those in prison because Lord God, your word says we remember those in prison as if we were in prison. And Lord, we lift them up tonight, Lord God. We can't even imagine, Lord, being stuck in one of these uh, uh, big... Uh, 
trawlers, Lord God, on a, on a, on a daily basis, Father God, suffering, Lord, being beaten or being tortured, but we, we just lift them up tonight, Lord God, and we believe that you came to set the captives free, Lord God, in Jesus' name. We believe in the freedom that we have in Christ, Lord God, not just in the Bible, but re, in reality, Father God. We pray that you'd re, release, Father God, freedom to the captives, Lord God, in Eritrea and Ethiopia and all the other places, Lord God, where we know there's Christians being persecuted, Lord, and imprisoned for their faith, Lord, in Jesus' name. So, Father God, we pray that you'd send your power in a mighty deliverance. And Lord God, we pray even tonight that you'll give us a heart and a passion to pray and intercede for those, Father God, who are being persecuted for their faith in Jesus' name. And that you would give each of us a cause. If any of us who feel in prison tonight, we feel like we're struggling here tonight, Lord God. We remember those who are really in prison, Father. And we pray you'll give us a cause of prayer as a church, Lord, to intercede, Lord God, for these who are persecuted in Jesus' name. For Father God, we commit them into your hands and we believe you for a mighty deliverance in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, as Pam comes tonight, you'll see that Paul here is in prison. Now, if you know anything about Paul tonight, the Apostle Paul, you read through the book of Acts, you'll see that when he got up before Felix, he, he said, listen, I want to go to Caesar. And his aim was to preach to Caesar. He had this passion to preach to Caesar. And if, you were, if I was Paul, I'd be thinking, I'm going to preach to all the governors of, of Caesar's palace, of Caesar. All the people are going to listen to me in the open forum. And I'm going to begin to preach to them in the Colosseum. And I'm going to see them all give their life to Christ. But that didn't happen. He was in prison. Uh, he was blocked. He was limited and he wasn't allowed out. And you'd have thought that there's no way that Paul could have made a difference. Now, we all face situations in our lives. We're dreaming big dreams, aren't we? We want to do great exploits for God. But sometimes we're in confinement, whether it's to our emotions, our mind, our circumstances, our situations. We find ourselves in prison. Now, I want us to encourage you tonight. I'm going to ask Pam to do this song because I was walking home one day and I was in need of a little encouragement. And it's amazing how you're asking the Holy Spirit just to encourage you and build you up. And uh, I would have thought I would have had a Hillsong song or a Bethel song or a KT song or, you know, or a Dwayne Morgan song, wherever he's at the back right now. You know, it just encouraged me, but I just Googled and suddenly this song came on and it was Whitney Houston, Step by Step. And the lyrics that just encouraged me, it was just about, you know what, you might not be delivered out of your prison and out of your circumstances and out of your difficulties here tonight in an instant, but God was encouraging me, just take each step as it comes. Keep stepping forward, keep stepping forward, and if you keep stepping forward, there'll come a day where you will be completely free in Jesus' name, amen? So let's welcome Pam as she comes here tonight. Amen. Can I get you all to stand on your feet? Is that okay? Our steps are ordered by the Lord and all things work together for the good. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right, so join with me. I'm sure some of you know this song. Well, there's a bridge and there's a river that I still must cross. And as I go on my journey, I pray I won't be lost. Father shows me just how to get there. So when I get there, I know. So I'm taking me 
step by step. Come on, clap your hands, everybody. Come on. Bit by bit. Stone by stone, yeah. Day by day. Step by step. Day by day. My by my, yeah. And this old road is rough and ruined. So many dangers. Along the way, so many burdens might fall upon me, so many troubles, but I have to face, oh, when I won't let my spirit fill me, I won't let my spirit go, until I get to my destination. Awesome. Thank you, Pam. That's fantastic. Amen. So we're back there in Philippians chapter 1 to 9. Here in verses 3 to 5, you see here Paul writing from prison to the church. And he says, I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you 
or making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. I don't know what you do when you're going through a tough time and you feel like you're, you're in a prison and things ain't happening or things ain't working the way they should be. Here for Paul, he wasn't discouraged. And the first thought he thought about the people who'd given their lives to Christ when he did his missions in Philippi, he thought, he says, I'm full of joy. In fact, when I pray for you, joy seems to come to me. Why? Because of your partnership in the gospel until now. Now, prison wasn't a foreign place to Paul, was it? In fact, if you go back into Acts chapter 16, you'll see how Paul was even blocked by God and then ended up in a prison cell. He was off to Asia to preach the gospel. And that seemed like a good thing to do. And often we do good things on a regular basis. We come to service, we do sell, we, we go to work and we do good things. But not often, not every good thing is from God. And here, Paul is preaching to Asia. He's going off and he's ready to preach. He's got his bag packed and the Holy Spirit stops him right there and says, hey, that, that's not the place that I, that I want you to go. So he thinks, okay, great. Not Asia, I'll go to Bithynia then. Good opportunity, I'll go and preach there. Great, preaching the gospel is a good thing. The Holy Spirit stops him again. And then suddenly he has a vision of a man crying out to, in Macedonia, say, hey, come and help me. So he, he wakes up and he thinks that it must be the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit must be calling me to this place called Macedonia where he goes down to meet a, a woman called Lydia who's a convert from Ju Judaism. And suddenly he preaches the gospel to her and suddenly a, a whole family gets saved. And then he's on the way to prayer, just going through prayer, normal day. And suddenly a slave girl comes out and she's possessed by a demon spirit. And she cries out and says, hey, these people have come to tell you the truth about God. And she keeps doing it on a daily basis. And Paul gets so irritated. He just says, you demon, come out in the name of Jesus. And suddenly the woman shrieks and suddenly she's delivered. Well, anyway, a commotion happened there in Acts 16. Why? Because people were using that slave girl to make money. She was a fortune teller. And suddenly they got put in their stocks and in prison. So they were in prison. Where were they in prison? They were in prison in a place called Philippi. Philippi was an important city there in Macedonia. In fact, it was a Roman colony. In fact, it was like a mini Rome. He was there around AD 60, AD 62. And how did Paul respond the first time that he was in prison? Now you'd have thought he would have come discouraged. God, what are you doing? I was a free man. I was preaching. I was going to go off to Asia and preach the gospel. And then suddenly I cast out a demon and now I'm in prison. What does he do? Well, it says Paul and Silas begin to sing and praise God. They sang hymns to God. Now, we don't know how long they were singing hymns to God. It could have been one night, two nights, three nights. But they just kept continuing to praise God. I want to encourage you that when you're in a difficult time, start to make sure you glorify God. Now, often we want people, God to take us out of the situation, don't we? Lord, get us out of this mess. Get us out of this situation. Lord, I cannot take it anymore. Now, what happens if God wants to use you in that situation? What happens if God wants to mature you through that situation? What happens if God's got a plan for somebody else in the situation that he's placed you in? So I started to pray that prayer. Lord, no matter what happens in my life, Lord, the most important thing is that you get the glory. Now we know what happened to Paul as he began to sing and worship God and praise God. What happened? An earthquake took place. And we begin to shake the prison and the Bible says the chains that were binding Paul came off and the doors swung wide open. Now, 
I'd like to make it more spiritual tonight. I believe an angel came and unlocked those chains from Paul. I believe an angel came and opened those doors. But you know, in Philippi, it's known to be a place of earthquakes. So there was earthquakes happening in Philippi on a regular basis. So God used a natural disaster to suddenly come in to shake that prison cell and set Paul free. Now, was it about Paul? Was it about the doors coming open? And God will open doors for you tonight. But there was a Philippian jailer who's about to commit suicide and suddenly he's about to commit suicide and Paul says, don't do it. And he preaches the gospel to him and he says, you know what? What must I do to be saved? And Paul says, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your entire family. As you go on to read, his entire family are baptized and they believe in Christ. Now that's what happened at the beginning of Philippi. These were the people, these were the converts. No doubt the church began to grow. Now Paul goes on, he meets Felix, he, he meets King Agrippa, he appeals to Caesar and suddenly he's in Caesar's household and he's in prison, he's in a difficult time and he's stuck. How many people like being stuck? Now, I don't know what it was, but when Donald Trump was voted in as president-elect the other day, it seemed that the whole of the London uh, transport system went down. I don't know if you experienced that. I was delayed for about two hours on the way home and two hours on the way in. Now, I don't know what happened there, but it's not a nice place to be. Stuck, packed in a London train or a London tube. You can't breathe. It's a very difficult place to be. Here, Paul is in this place and he's immediately saying, you know what, I'm filled with joy. I'm filled with joy in writing this letter to you. I'm filled with joy when I remember you. I'm full of joy. How is it possible to have joy when you're in a prison cell? Now, if you meet people from Eritrea or you meet people from Mali, which I've had the privilege to meet, or even Niger, people who are persecuted, some of these persecuted Christians are the most joyful people that you'll ever met. Now, they don't have a three-bedroom house in Ealing somewhere or Greenford or whatever your dream is to be. They don't have a nice car. They don't have a nice job in Canary Wharf or whatever your dream is to be. They don't have anything, but they have Christ. And they have a joy that nothing can take away, even when they're going through persecution. And this was the joy that Paul had. And what was the joy that he had? He says, I've got joy because of your partnership in the gospel. Now, many of us think tonight, you know, friends are the key to church growth. Friendship is the key to community. But Paul's not saying, I rejoice because you're my friend. He goes on to say, listen, if you pray for me and the Holy Spirit comes, I'll be delivered. He's saying, I want friends who are praying for me. I want friends who can produce an anointing. I want friends that are about the gospel. Amen. Friends who can pray and intercede that God will begin to move in my life. And when he remembers them, the partnership or the fellowship that they have is in the gospel. I don't know about you, how many people do you have in your life that are about the gospel, that encourage you to do with the gospel, that move you forward in the gospel? When I remember people in my life, when I, I can see John at the back from Kenya popping in, as he does every month or so, I've invited him tonight. But I was sitting right where John is sitting at the back and that was when I first gave my life to Christ. And a man called Mark, who's now a minister in one of the churches in Berlin where we did a youth mission. And he's there now pastoring and preaching. But he came to the back of the church and he shared with me, he said, are you a Christian? I said, yeah, I'm a Christian Christian, as often people say to me. And uh, no, I said, actually, I'm not a Christian. You know, I'm not, I need to rededicate my life to Christ. And he prayed with me and I, I received Christ right there. Then he took me aside and he, he started to spend time with me and encourage me. He gave me some videos of preachers who were preaching about God's call, about the gospel. 
And he started to speak to me. He said, listen, I believe God's called you to, into ministry. I believe God has called you to be an evangelist. I believe God has gonna, is going to use you. Now, back then, I couldn't speak in front of people. I was very nervous. I was in a choir. We were all in a choir, even with Mark. And when the minister would turn around and he would look for somebody to uh, share a testimony, I would be at the back hiding. Because I was thinking, oh my God, I don't even know what I'm going to say. And when he would ask me to come forward and share, I'd be nervous. And I, I remember the first time I did it, I was so scared. I was so in a prison. I couldn't even speak. You know, fear can do that to you, can't it? You're so fearful. You're so in prison, you can't even speak. I remember just saying, uh, Jesus loves you and went back as quickly as possible. Now he took me aside and started to speak into my life. Now what happens right now, no matter whether I'm going through a good time or a bad time, when I remember him, what, what comes to my mind? What do I remember? I remember a guy who took me aside and preached and spoke words of spirit and words of life. And what happens to me? Joy comes to my heart. Why? Because when I remember people who are about the gospel, when their friendship is in the gospel, when their friendship is about the call of God, when they've encouraged me in the things of God, that's the type of people I want to be around. Because those are the people who know God. They know God. I want to be around people who know God. That's what Paul wanted to be around. Now here in verse 12, he says this, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word of God without fear. Wow, look at this. He's in prison. He's stuck. He's not moving forward. He doesn't know whether he's going to live or whether he's going to die. If you read the rest of the verse, he's saying, you know what, I have a, a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, but I think I'm going to remain to disciple you lot. And he goes through that and he says, listen, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has served to advance the gospel. How did it advance the gospel? How putting Paul in prison, limiting the most effective preacher that we have in the Bible who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, how limiting Paul, how is that going to, Spread the message of the gospel throughout the rest of the world. Well, it did because it says there, as a result of Paul's chains, as a result of him being imprisoned, then people rose up boldly and started to speak about Christ. Hallelujah. In fact, his vision to preach to crowds of people, his vision to reach the rest of the world, it was done by other people rising up and preaching because they thought, well, if they're going to imprison Paul, if they're going to imprison my friend, if they're going to imprison the guy who preached to me, I'm going to rise up and I'm going to make a difference for God. And I believe that's something that God has called KT to do. If we can put up those maps, Michelle, on the back. Do you know the word furtherance actually means the word pioneer advance? How is it possible that Paul's in a prison cell and all he's thinking about is the pioneer advance of the gospel? Well, I want to tell you tonight why. Because I believe that Paul, his mind was in gear. His mind was focused. What did he have a mind about? He had a mind about Christ. In chapter 1 of Philippians, Paul mentions the word Christ 19 times. That's just to give you an example of how focused Christ, uh, Paul was on Christ. Here, I've been looking at this map. This is a map of London where all the different people groups uh, begin to uh, come to London and they're saying this is the big demographic of where the Polish people are, Punjabi people, Turkish people, etc., etc. Now, we in London, sometimes we hear here in the government, don't we, that the problem with London or the problem with the UK is immigration. 
and we can be so negative about there's many other problems in London. But look at this map here. When I look at this map, I think that's an opportunity. What is it an opportunity of? It's an opportunity for the pioneer advance of the gospel. It's an opportunity to plant churches amongst Polish people, Tamil people, Punjabi people, Gujarati people, Urdu people, all these people who represent London. Could you imagine if God would be to set these people on fire? Just the, these people, these new immigrants over the last 10 or 15 years and more years that people have been pouring into London. If God were to use these people. Now our focus is God would be to use the British people or the people who've been here the longest, or maybe the sons and daughters of ministers. But what about these people? These people sometimes are minority groups. Some of uh, them are asylum seekers. Some of them are on low benefits. What happens if God would begin to move in these people? See, this is what Paul was about. He was about the pioneer advance of the gospel. If we can go to the next slide. Now here is another picture of other people groups added to this map of all the different people groups spread in Pacific communities. So on the other map you didn't see in this place, just south of Westminster, around Pimlico area, is the Portuguese community. And you'll see other areas there. When I see these maps, I think, well, there's an opportunity to plant new churches, plant new cell groups, pioneer new things. And who is going to do it tonight? We're going to do it. Amen. Amen. We're going to do it. Tell your neighbor, you're going to do it. Hallelujah. You're going to do it. Now, 20 something years ago, when I was 15, I wasn't going to do that because I was in, in, in fear. But as God's been working on my life, now I'm not there yet. I'm not perfected yet. As Paul says, I haven't attained it as yet, but I'm going to keep pressing forward. I'm going to keep moving forward in the things of God. Now we can go on to the backdrop. Now, four things that God began to put in my heart going through a tough time. One, I said, glorify God. Two, I said, God, I want to know you more. When you're going through a tough time, make sure that you have a vision to know him more. Everything that you do in life comes from your relationship with Jesus. Amen. It doesn't come from activity. You're not who you are because of activity. You are who you are because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. And in fact, when I hang around with people who are about the gospel, it's their relationship with Christ that makes the difference. When I leave them, I'm not going to leave them thinking, well, I had a good time watching a movie or having a bite to eat or having a coffee at Starbucks. For all that is good. I want to leave thinking, wow, I've got more of Jesus in my life. Because they know Christ. And number three, I said to God, Lord, I'm going through a tough time. I feel like I'm in prison. Lord, I want to have your heart. The most important thing is that I have your heart so I can have the opportunity to reach out to all different types of people, whether it be Eritrea, whether it be Mali, whether it be Niger. Now, Sometimes we're caught up in our lives, aren't we? There's four areas that I want to just briefly go through tonight. Four areas that can steal your joy that you've got to watch. Four areas that you've got to watch that could steal your joy. One, circumstances. I don't know about you, but sometimes we're waiting for the right circumstances at the right time in order for us to be obedient to God. Anybody think that way tonight? If I just had more money, then I would serve God. If I just had a bit, bit better accommodation, uh, that way I could host people in a cell group, then I'd serve God. If I, if I could just maybe move country, but back home, I'm tired of being in England, where I don't earn much, I'm going to move back because I have a bigger place, I'll serve God. We're waiting for the circumstances to change. What about you serving God now in the midst of your circumstances? What about serving God right now in the midst of different things that are happening? Now, I've got two young kids. 
And as uh, families go, nobody ever told me how it was going to be having two kids. But suddenly, when you wake up at 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. in the morning, one night, then the next night, then the next night, then the next night, and then that's been going on for about a year or two, suddenly you begin to feel tired, and then life is more or less about you, isn't it? It's about me. What is it about? I want sleep. That's what I want. I want a good night's sleep. I want a day where I can spend time by myself. I want perfect situation, a perfect circumstance, so I can serve God. Now, as things go by... Judah was up, my son, at 2 a.m. in the morning, then 3 a.m. and at 4 a.m. I just got so vexed. Not at him. I just got vexed at myself because it's, it's wrong to have the anger. That's what I'm learning. Being developed on, on people. And so I was holding it in. I was so vexed and so annoyed. I said, God, why me? Why me? Now, God reminds you, as you prayed for those children, you prayed... <laughs> that God would give you those children. And then I received a text message, an email from Niger, from my friends in Niger. And they emailed at me and they said, listen, an American missionary has been kidnapped by Al-Qaeda and we need emergency prayer because he's been one of our long-standing missionaries here for a long time. Now what happened to me? Suddenly I was in this moaning, angry situation. God, I need sleep. And then suddenly I've received this text message. What did it do? Well, it spoke to the Christ in me, didn't it? It spoke to the person in me that's being taught, whether by Katie or whether my friends in the gospel, people who've encouraged me in the faith. It spoke to my spirit and said, listen, Christian, you need to rise up in prayer. And then at four o'clock in the morning, I clicked out of my anger, clicked out of my perfect situation and started to pray and intercede for that man. Now that's what happened to Paul. Paul's in prison, isn't he? And I've got this hypothetical situation as he's in prison, the light is beginning to come into the prison. As he begins to think about the church, as he begins to think about Christ, as he begins to think about the good things that he's doing, light begins to shine, and suddenly the circumstances that he's in, he, God begins to lift him out of those situations into new, higher ground. So circumstances, if you're waiting for circumstances to come into your life to serve God, then you're going to wait a long time. God can deliver you out of circumstances. God can use your circumstances to bring about deliverance and God can use your circumstances to mature you. Now, another thing that steals your joy is people. If there just wasn't people in the world, I'll be a happy man. Now, the church is about people, is it not? God encourages you to get on with people. He's talking about fellowship, meaning those things we have in common, Christ we have in common. That's fellowship together. We've got to get on. In chapter two, he talks about humbling yourself, having the right heart, getting on with one another. He encourages you to, and Sintika, who's got a disagreement, he says, listen, I want you to unite. I want you to get along. Now in this book, in Be Joyful by Wisby, he tells the story of his daughter who came in from school one day. She came from school. She was very annoyed. She slammed the door. She walked up the stairs. She slammed the door and she sat down and she said, people, people, Ah, people. So as the dad, he walked up the stairs and he says, you know, is everything okay? No. Do you want to talk about it? No. Uh, why do you not want to talk about it? She goes, because you're a people. <laughs> She's so vexed. Our people can steal your joy. Now, Paul didn't have confidence in people. His confidence was in God. If we're looking for people to open doors or people to promote us or people to do things in our lives, then guess what? There's going to come a day where we're going to be discouraged. 
It's only God who opens doors. It's only God who's going to get Paul out of prison. Paul's hope is in God. His trust is in God. Jeremiah 17 says that we're cursed if we trust in man. But if we trust in, in God, we're blessed. We're fruitful. We're like a green tree. Paul's confidence is in God. And so don't put your trust in people. Don't put your trust in your job. Don't put your trust in your boss. Put your trust in God. Another thing that can steal your joy is material things. Material things. Turn over to Philippians 3 and verse 17. Brothers, join in imitating me, verse 17 of Philippians 3, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly. Anybody convicted tonight? And their glory is in their shame with their minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to become like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. He's saying there's people in this world who are enemies of the cross and then he goes to say their mind is on earthly things. Now, let's, who is he talking about? Well, Philippians was a Roman colony. It was a mini Rome, like you've heard of little Venice. Uh, it was a little Rome. Everything that happened in there mimicked Rome. And everything that was in that situation mimicked the flesh. It was on earthly things, on an earthly kingdom. If you do a little bit of research about Philippi, you recognize it was a battleground. Some people started to, to break the kingdom or to divide the kingdom. And there was a battleground where Rome had to almost conquer it again. He, their minds are on earthly things. Now, if the devil can get your mind on earthly things, on material things, then you can easily become discouraged. Jesus says, you know, we build our lives not on material wealth or material possessions. We build our life in the kingdom of God. Now, he says there, he goes on to say, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, is Paul saying that he's thinking about the return of Christ? Is he saying, I'm thinking about the Saviour, I'm in prison, and I want to encourage you that we're citizens of heaven. We're citizens of heaven, why? Because as believers, we believe that Jesus is going to return, do we not? We believe in the second coming of Christ, we believe that our King is going to return. Now, they had a king, did they not? Caesar was their king, Caesar was their ruler, and all of them in Philippi, they followed Caesar. But Paul, as he preached the gospel, told people to follow Christ. So he's saying there, listen, we're not following the world. How many people were sad that Donald Trump got in? How many people were sad about the Brexit? How many people were sad about different things that happened in this world? Paul would say, listen, we're not a citizen of this world. We're a citizen of heaven first. Now, whether you're Republican or Democrat, Labour or Conservative, it doesn't matter. What matters is that first you're a citizen of heaven. There was a movie that I watched the other day and there was a coach coaching the kids and they had the racist issue and he began to say to them, listen, before the color of your skin, you're human first. You're a human being first. So treat each other as a human being. Now, this is what Paul's saying. He's saying, listen, we're citizens of heaven. Our focus is not on material possessions. So we can get upset if we don't get material possessions. In our, in our house, through reading various family books and things like that, we decided to do a, a movie night. Now, you know when you've got small kids, they get into the movie night and they want it, and, and instead of wanting at the time that you're going to do it, they want it earlier. 
And so Judah said to me, he said, Daddy, I, I, want, I want penguins in Madagascar. I want penguins in Madagascar. And I want to watch it now. I said, no, we're not watching now. We're going to get dinner. And, we're going to... and suddenly he got upset. He, ah! he ran up the stairs and disappeared into his bedroom. And I thought, you know what? This is what we do, isn't it? When we don't get what we want, when we trust things, when things don't work out the way that we want them to work out. And our focus is on material possessions and suddenly we lose our joy. Our joy is in the fact that Christ is going to return. Our joy is in the fact that people can get saved and give their lives to Christ. Our joy is in the fact that we've been forgiven our sins. Our joy is that we've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his light. Hallelujah. That's our joy. And suddenly, the fourth one is stress. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, doesn't he? He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen? Now it says there, if we focus on Christ, if we pray, if we rejoice. Now in our house, I've just got loads of music for the kids because when you're going through a tough time, I thought, you know, what we need to do is start to praise God. And so what we're doing right now is we're playing music on our screen and we're playing all these Christian worship songs and the kids are just dancing and worshiping God. Now why would I want that to happen? Because I want my house to be a house of praise. I want my house to be a house that glorifies God. Now, whether God pulls me out of the situation or keeps me in the situation, let's make sure that we glorify God. And that's what he's saying. Rejoice always. Play the music of heaven. Rejoice. Focus on Christ. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything pray uh, with supplications, with thanksgiving. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That word God is a military word. And suddenly it describes that when you pray and you focus on God, God literally sends a military army to guard your mind and protect you. Hallelujah. And to keep you in perfect peace. Now, when you focus on God, that's what happens. God supernaturally protects you. Hallelujah. That's what happens when you pray. Some people ask the question, why should I pray? Why should I intercede? Well, sometimes when you don't pray and you don't intercede, suddenly you're anxious and you're worried and you're fighting fears that you wouldn't normally fear and you haven't got much peace. But when you pray and when you focus on God, God gives you a supernatural peace that no one can take away. And you wonder, hang on a minute, what was it that gave me that peace during a very busy time? It was the place of prayer. Hallelujah. Bruce is saying that today, I count all things lost for the excellency of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The place of prayer, valuing the place of prayer. If you want to be in the place of peace, even though you may be in prison, even though you may be in a tough situation, start to pray and start to focus on Christ again. Hallelujah. Now pray that God tonight will use you in your prison. That might be a difficult prayer to pray tonight. God will use you. Do you know that Paul, despite his prison, started to share the gospel and people start to be converted? You'll see that at the end of the chapter, he says, I bring greetings from Caesar's household. 
which says that he was a prisoner in Caesar's household and every day he was sharing the gospel and he starts to describe how there's converts in that prison cell. So he had a cell group in his prison cell. He started to make disciples in his prison cell. Despite his circumstances, despite his situation, in a sense, light was shining, the light of the gospel. Pray that God will deliver you from prison, just like Acts chapter 16, how Paul and Silas praised God and God shook that prison. God can come into your life tonight, can't he? And he can break those chains. He can break those fears. He can break those anxieties and he can open those prison doors so you can walk free. Pray that God will teach you through the prison. Probably a very hard thing to do. Colin said that we are moving forward for the 2020 vision. And the first one on there, the first M is the word mature. And if we're going to mature, often God uses difficult situations to mature our lives and to form our character. Often that is a very difficult place to be. But the most important thing tonight is to pray, Lord, glorify your name. Glorify your name. Let's the band come back right now. Let's bow our heads in prayer as we finish and we're going to go into a time of ministry.